What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Outside the Clutch. Uh, tonight, we're going to have someone that I've had the pleasure of getting to get to know over the past, uh, say, a couple of months. Um, he's working with some very interesting projects, doing a lot of double recessives that I'm looking to get into the future or trying to work right now. So a couple of projects we share similarly. So I'm really excited to talk to him. Uh, I hope you guys are. I hope that you have some questions for him and that we continue to grow this. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring this knucklehead in here. Uh, <laughs> everyone give or say hi to Mr. Chandler Hatfield at CTH Reptiles. What's up, buddy? How's it going? It's going good. Going good. Uh, so let's, yeah, another Saturday night. Let's uh let's talk about your history a little bit, if you're okay with that. I don't yeah, what do you want to know? So what'd you do in the military? Let's start with your service. Okay. So I joined in 2009, right out of high school. Um, I joined as a generator mechanic. I joined the Army Reserves as a generator mechanic. Um, shortly through my military career, I switched... Well, I got a second MOS, uh, which was 36 Bravo uh, Financial Management. So I basically followed my brother's footsteps. Um, he joined as a 91 Delta, which was generator repair, and then switched over to financial management as well. Okay. Hmm. It's an interesting uh, career shift going from yeah. a mechanic to paper pusher. Yep. Well, I, I guess it's still the same thing. You just, you, you didn't get the joy of getting grease on your hands. Yeah. Uh, or spending like full hot ass days out in the motor pool working on generators. Sweating like no other. Yeah. yeah. So what made you decide military service? Like everyone usually has a story, kind of like with reptiles, right? And we'll get into the story for reptiles in a second. But what was, what's your story behind the reason for joining? Uh, pretty much it was just following my brother's footsteps. Um, my my whole family has a history of military service. Um, okay. It's not something that I was really interested in growing up, um, but kind of wanted to look up to my brother and be somewhat like my brother. So kind of kind of why I got into it. Yes. Nothing wrong with that, man. It's... Uh... It's a good thing to do. I mean, I, obviously, we're both veterans. Um, I come from, well, I'm the fourth generation, third, hold on, fourth generation. I'm sorry. So fourth generation. If my kids decide to, it'll be five. Yeah. Um, so a lot of history there. But so what, what do you think it is about military service that draws, because there seems to be a lot, a lot of military in this industry as well. Yeah, I've noticed that. Um, what do you think it is that draws military to the reptile industry? I honestly have no idea. Uh, or a bunch of weirdos. So kind of close-knit family in the military, so you kind of see that in the hobby as well. So it might be something, that aspect. I want to continue that close-knit relationship with somebody. Right. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things with militaries. We all kind of we miss that camaraderie as soon as we get out. Yeah. 
so it, it's nice to come to this industry and like have have everyone just kind of treat you like family yeah. um i i like to say that it's because snakes are kind of like the outcasts and we as veterans kind of feel like outcasts especially when we first get out so it's a good uh it's kind of a good middle ground plus they're don't talk back and they're kind of calming and well some oh, of them are calming some of them yeah, want to take yeah. your head off depending on what you're working with but still uh, maybe it's just because we miss the danger aspect for the ones that want to take your head off i don't know yeah um so what got you into reptiles um i mean growing up i've always been into reptiles catching frogs and snakes out in the wild um, things like that um i would say i i would i would say i got my first snake in in middle school um i was kind of a, a bad child so i got bad grades and everything like that and my mom knew what pushed me and she knew I loved reptiles and animals. So one of her ways to get me to get my grades up was she went out and bought me my first snake, um, which was a yellow rat snake. Nice. So that kind of fueled the, uh, the love for it. That's an interesting choice for a first animal. That's definitely yeah. not your typical first animal. Um, yeah, it was a, uh, it wasn't calm. It was a, <laughs> it was a wiry little thing. Yeah, rat sure. rat snakes. You're kind of known for that, aren't they? Yeah. They, uh, they're good for uh, biting you and musking you, and definitely letting you see the attitude side. Yep, I agree. But yeah, um, that's probably where my love of wanting to keep reptiles came from. So, yeah. Sure did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's. Correct, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think you've been around a little bit longer than Jason. But. Yeah, just a little bit. So, well, from my understanding, you've been around since what, 2017, 2016? Actually, or before that? Longer than that, yeah. So, I got into ball pythons. Like I started doing my research on one of my deployments, if you will. Um, we mobilized or deployed in the army and the or the national guards and the reserves. Anything overseas, we call it a deployment. So we deployed to Kuwait, and we had some some downtime. So I noticed on Facebook it was a banana ball python that scrolled through my my newsfeed, and back in 2012, and I saw that and. Kind of started doing my research and learning about ball pythons and i would say that's when i got into it was 2012. um it wasn't until i got back in 2013 that i actually bought my first ball python so i've been around a lot longer yeah, than two, that's, 2017. it's almost 10 years okay. yeah you're right there man you're right uh you're where everyone hopes to be at kind of that sweet spot i think yeah. It's kind of like when we were in the military, they say, if you make 10 years, you're going to make it. Yeah. So you're going to go the distance. Very nice. Um, so what, when you first started out, what were your goals with this? Was this just like a, cause you said you did your research for a while and then you decided to purchase one. 
was it gonna be like a hobby business to start with or was it just okay i want to move into these because they're cool uh it was kind of like i wanted to to get into them um i wasn't really looking at it as a business or really reading at that point um because i was kind of focused on the military career um i was one to continue to focus on the, the military and do military things so i wasn't really one to kind of grow really fast um so it wasn't until i would say 2000 and about 14 or 15 is when i kind of looked at it more of as a, a hobby or a business if you will um and it wasn't until 2017 when i actually started really growing and becoming more of what i am now okay that makes sense then yeah because i was i was looking through and i was like most of his snake pictures started around 17. yeah yep so 2012 2013 was my first deployment if you will um then i came back and i got got a couple snakes um i bought two snakes right off the bat uh, which was a butter ball uh, or a yeah a butter and then it was a, um, a lemon blast so it, those two snakes turned into like 15 snakes really fast because the addiction kicked in yeah. so i was buying snakes left and right um 2014 came up and i was actually on the list to deploy again to that one was to afghanistan um so 2004 all of 2014 i was gone my mom was taking care of my snakes and my rats uh we lived in a two-bedroom apartment with my mom my brother and i so it was kind of cramped um so yeah she took care of all those snakes um came back 2015 started started doing some breeding and things like that um and then 2016 came around and I was out the door again. So back to back to back. Yep. Right on schedule. You did the yeah. that sounds like a National Guard yeah. work every two years. Well, I mean, they they're trying to push that towards active too, I think. But yeah. Um most of the time when you get told you're gonna go on a well, depending on the base. I know like for armored you get told hey you're gonna go every two years and it doesn't happen that way yeah there we go yeah i got i got one in almost seven years so yeah oh lord here yeah music to your ears no <laughs> <laughs> um so when did you said like 15 is when you started getting serious where when did, or um, how do I want to put this? When did you decide on your first project or how did you make the decision for your first project? Or did you just start grabbing sporadically? Cause you were yeah. like, oh, I, I want this and I want this and I want this without yeah. any, you did the typical, let's just grab and hope for the best. Yeah, it was, it was kind of that way. Um, it was a little strategic. Um, I guess one of my first bigger projects that I was getting into um, was hypo. So mm -hmm. I was kind of more focused on trying to breed for hypo stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And you yeah. seem to have, uh, well, unless you're talking to Chris, but we all know how he feels about hypo. 
or Huffman. I like to send him like every time I go over to Corey's table at the shows, I'll send him a picture of Huffman stuff or anyone else that has Huffman. I'll take pictures of it and send it yeah. to him just to screw with him. But I think that's becoming like a regular trend with Chris. Yeah. Um, Hypo for the win. Yeah. Hypo for the win. Uh, where did we want to go? So when did you start working Cyprus? Because you seem to, you seem uh, to be fairly into the project. Well, in certain projects. Yeah. I want to say than... it was, I want to say it was around 2018, somewhere around there. So I bought my original Cypress mail, um, from Clint Conway. It was a fire yellow belly Cypress mail. Um, and that's basically what started my Cypress love. Um, of course, the first thing I did with it was put it into clown uh, to make head clowns. As you should, so, as you should. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to argue with you on that, especially yeah, it, with what we're going to be showing in a little bit. Yeah, it paid off. It, it definitely paid off. So, Yeah, 2018, I want to say, is when I got my first Cypress. Nice. And so you put it directly in the clown. What was like, what was your first aspiration with it? Like, no, because obviously you got to make the babies, you got to grow those babies up and then put them back to yeah. other either hats or a visual to come out with it. But in the meantime, while you're doing that minimum of four year wait, uh, what was kind of your goal with Cypress while you were pushing that or waiting for that time to uh, really was just trying to make combos to learn more about the gene so at the time there wasn't a whole lot of cypress stuff being produced i mean there was a good handful of it but nothing really in the, the recessive world um you'd see a few cypress clowns pop up here and there um but i really wanted to know and learn more about the gene itself so that was that was my goal was to to learn more about it. So what's your? I'm gonna pull it up here right now. Actually, hold on. Let me. I want it. It's not doing what I want it to. What the heck? Come on. That's not what I wanted either. Hold on, guys. I swear I know what I'm doing sometimes. <laughs> Good old. Uh... Few page sorters. No. Not what I wanted. So talk about your projects a little bit while I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to pull up that uh, Cypress Yellow Belly Clown. Real. So what my current projects are? Mm -hmm. So some of the current projects that I got going this year, um, I'm working pretty heavily with like hypopides. Uh, I actually have five double heads that are breeding, um, a couple hypohepide stuff that's breeding. So I'm working the hypopide project, um, Desert Ghost Clown. I was lucky enough that, that male that you're actually going to pull up, I was lucky enough to um, trade for that Desert Ghost Clown male. Um, that was that a, was yeah that was I was heartbroken when you did that man 
Yeah. Oh. Uh, 26 seconds. I love you. <laughs> but yeah, so. Um, Awkward silence between military people happen all the time. You should get used to it. I know. Yeah. It's great for yeah. podcasting, though. Awkward eye contact, too. Right, right. I don't do yeah. eye contact. That's weird. Like, but yeah, um, double recessives, really. Um, hypopuzzles, hypopides, um, clown pides. So you've been going, you've been going really deep into the double recessives recently. Yeah. Um, when did you start working double recessives, and where do you where do you kind of see the future going with those? Do you think it's going to become like the new norm to where you have to have a double recessive, or do you think you still have a little while before that happens? So I started double recessive projects a couple years ago. Um, I produced the, my, my double head, uh, Desigo's clown females a couple years ago, and then the double head hypopides. Um, so I started working towards producing double visuals a couple years ago, um, which was the building blocks of creating those double heads. Um, I do see the, the industry going more towards recessives. Like, it's all you see nowadays, people talking about recessives, uh, clowns, pides, desert ghosts, things like that. Um, so I, I do believe that the industry is advancing towards more recessives and double recessives. I mean, you got those crazy guys like Justin that are doing triples and quads. Um, so it's working that way. So. Well, I think you you have people that are I mean they're hitting triples already. Yeah. I think there's there's people that have quad heads like Justin. I think he he's actually put I don't even know how to say it right. What what would it, would it be? What's a six? Quinn? No, Quinn. Couldn't say. I have no idea. No, I think Quintup. Quinn is seven. No. I don't know. Anyways, he has he has six hit, which is insane to think about. So yeah. my my stupid Mac won't let me share what I want to share. Um I have to go through and like set all these permissions now. So I've screwed the pooch on that. So I'm just gonna quit trying to share stuff and we're gonna focus on me. And if you want to see his stuff, you're gonna have to go to the link for his Instagram down below. Mm. Yeah. So you set one of your goals this year as being more on social media as well. So mm -hmm. where what what's your actual aspiration? Because I know you said you wanted to be more consistent with it or you wanted to be um, just more more active. But I feel like I feel like you do better with goals if you set them for something very specific. So are you looking to post once a day or are you looking to like work on the algorithm more and actually learn how the algorithm works for each platform or what, what's your actual goal for it? So I just want to be more consistent, more consistent. Okay. On it. Um, I'm not really interested in learning the algorithm. Um, I feel like if I post enough, the algorithm will, will pick it up and, Right. start to show it more such as the Instagram reels and things like that. Um, I set a goal of wanting to get 10,000 followers by the end of the year on Instagram. Uh, so I started doing a couple of giveaways, like some small things. 
uh, which got me up to about 3,500 followers. Um, and then I had a couple of friends telling me, Hey, you need to, you need to do Instagram reels. So I started doing Instagram reels posting like, I don't know, two a week or so. And out of nowhere, it just started blowing up. And now I'm up to like 14,000 followers on Instagram in a month. Jesus. That's yeah. Insane, dude. So nice. I completely smashed that goal of 10,000 in a year. Um, but I want to be more consistent at it. I don't want to like overdo it, if you will. But two to three posts a week is where I want to be. On Instagram. Me look like a chump over here. No, I'm just playing. Instagram reels. Right. No, I do, it, man. I put I put a reel and well, I was putting a reel in a post every day. But I also just put the same hashtags like I'm too lazy to. Yeah, I do the exact same thing. Copy and paste. Yep. Pretty much. But um, so what what project are you? I know I'm jumping all over the place. This is how my mind works, guys. Welcome to Feely's brain. It is the most unorganized thing in the world. Um. <laughs> what project do you or are you really pushing for this year like what are you the most excited for because i know you took that year off and we've been talking about that and how you're really excited to see a couple of projects come to fruition especially with having to take it off because of that move and yeah. typically they tend to go with a little bit larger clutches when you give them a year off the yeah. following year so Hopefully you hit your goals, but I'm yeah, shut up. I want to say one of my biggest goals for this year is producing visual puzzles. Okay. So I got nice. I got a visual puzzle um, many years ago, and I started making heads, and I just made an army of head puzzles and double head hypo puzzles. Um, I think I made somewhere around sixty-five heads and double heads total and i never really was making visuals i didn't make any visual puzzles it was all heads i was making armies um so that's probably one of the the projects that i want to see all the way through um is producing a visual puzzle this year if not hypo puzzle that would be that'd be nice how many how many recessive projects are you actually working um, so I got Desert Ghost, Hypo, Clown, Hides, Puzzle, Ultramel. I think that's it. Five. Five. Yep. How, how would you say you're, like, when you say you're actually working it, what would you say your ratio of, like, male to female to work a project is? Oh, that's very low. Or it's just, okay. I, like a lot of people, I didn't hold back enough males. Um, that's going to be one of my goals this year is holding back males. Um, I'm very slim on males. I think I got, I think it was like 13 or, no, it was 18, 18 males. And I got right around 110 females. So the ultrasound's coming in handy. Um, wow. So I don't stretch those males too thin. So, yeah, I needed any more males. <laughs> and that's breeder size or that's mm -hmm. holy shit that's yeah a... so that's a lot of females to be pushing that many males yeah so for anyone Crazy. watching hold hold back males more than you think uh, i couldn't 
And do you do this all by yourself or is your wife helping you or? Nope. Um, she helps me in the support aspect um, and cleaning baby tubs. That's about as, as far as it goes. Yeah. She oh, uh, get her to do that. <laughs> yeah. She, so she grew up as uh, one of those only good snake is a dead snake type. Um, she's come miles from where she was when we first met um, to the point where she'll actually hold baby snakes now. So I mean, she wouldn't even come a hundred yards from a snake and now she will hold baby snakes. She won't hold an adult, but she'll hold baby snakes. Well, that's as much, it takes time. So I'm needing the, yeah, I'm needing the little man to grow up faster. <laughs> and he's, he's one now, right? Uh, yeah. 14 months. 14 months. So, a little over. Yeah. It'll be here before you know it, man. Yeah, uh, like blinking, he'll be too. Yeah, all of mine started holding at two years old because I told the wife, I was like, I need them to enjoy these animals. Yeah, so I'm I've actually, need um, yeah, I've actually gotten them to, to pet snakes, so I'll hold them and I'll keep them, I'll just keep them in a ball to where they he's got like a little section of the snake and he'll actually reach out and pet it. Nice, so he's not showing any fear of him yet, which is good. Uh, it happens like. Honestly, my oldest was probably the most scared of him, and he got he got a lot better after he took his first bite. His first yeah. bite was a uh, probably like a three foot carpet to the stomach. Man, yeah, Man. <laughs> he, was, he wasn't happy with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ball pythons are nothing for him now, but. Um, that carpet is now in a breeding loan with someone else because the other kids, they go for heads. Like he was at least smart enough and he goes for the body. The other kids go straight for the heads. Yeah. Like, oh, don't do it. No, touch the body. Touch the body. Other end. Go for the other end. Yeah. Yeah. Go where it poops, not where it bites. No, <laughs> oh, man. But that's awesome. Like, I, it's one of the things I'm super excited about is they're they're all getting to the age and they want to be in here while I'm in here. They're starting to like, they're starting to do the waters. And when I was feeding Frozen Thawed, they would help with the feeding. Now that I'm not, um, I no longer let them help feed because yeah. I just don't want them to experience that until they're older. Yeah. Um, plus, like. I have some where the rats get really freaking brave and they jump back out at me and yep. I just would would rather not have them uh almost like they've the been there before. Them. Yeah, right. <laughs> Come launching out of the tub. Or, I call them souls out of rats. Yeah. I had one the other night. It freaking it jumped out of a tub onto me and I like I went to hit it and then it jumped off of me onto the rack and I was like, holy crap, I'm gonna lose this one. <laughs> It, yeah. it took me, yeah, it took me a solid half hour to catch that little chick. Yeah. yeah, whenever I drop a rat or one jumps out, that's everything stops until I get it. Same here, same here, man. It was like, I don't know. I probably should have just let one of the retics out, but at the same time, I was like, if I open one of the retic enclosures to let them get it, they're going to see me too. And I'm going to, they're going to see me before they see the rat. So yep. do I want to play that game? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. You know, but, um, we got him. That's the important part. That is. That is. Yeah. Sometimes you got to get the BB gun for him. Just discard that. It's in rat. my house. That's the hard part. Like, 
if oh, I had yeah. a out like if I had a facility outside of the house, I'd totally be down for it. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to re get resale value on that house. Yeah. Oh, we'll bullet it. holes. I don't know. They might not appreciate that. Ventilation. Just call it ventilation. Yeah. Extra ventilation. Oh man. So do you want to see him like when it's Liam, right? Yeah, Liam. Do you want to see Liam take over one day, like when you're too old, or what? What's that aspiration for him? Just no. kind of see where he takes it, or like, what yeah, I mean, like? I'll, he'll always have the option um, if he wants to do it. Um, I'm not going to push him into it, but I would like to to like have him in here, just kind of develop some sort of work ethic, you know. Um, right. But not not push him like you have to be in here. You have to do this. Um, it'd be nice to to have a little a little cleaner or a little go for go get me this. But I'm I'm not gonna push him. So if he wants it, it's his. Um, if not, I'll do it as long as I can. Mm. How do you find like you have it's type one, right? Yes. Yes. Um, so you have to do the insulin injections and you have to watch your numbers a lot more. For those that don't know, I guess I'll let you explain it because obviously you know more about it than I do. Like Even with my medical background, I, I know a little bit about diabetes, but not a lot. Yeah. Because I don't so have to deal with it in the military. Yeah. So there's there's two types. There's type one, type two. Um, I'm a what they call like a late onset type one. Uh, the doctors think that it was stress-induced from the back-to-back -back overseas assignments. Um, so they think my type 1 is stress-induced. Basically, my body put so much stress on itself that the pancreas died. Uh, the pancreas is what produces those that insulin for your cells to absorb the, the nutrients and the sugars and be able to use it instead of it just flowing through your blood. Um, type 2 is typically for overweight um older people that don't necessarily exercise and they just eat bad um it could also be genetics as type two um, but yeah there, that's the main main issue type type two um more people from what i know get put on like metformin which is a pill um and not necessarily insulin dependent uh, okay. since my body doesn't produce any insulin uh, I have to be insulin dependent and thankfully I'm on an insulin pump to where I don't have to inject myself multiple times a day. Uh, I just change out the injection site uh, or what they call the, the infusion set uh, every three days. So okay. that's, that's helped me out quite a bit being on has the pump. The, has that kind of made the lifestyle a little bit more difficult with, or is it just so I will say it does um, because it gives me kind of like a false security of, Hey, I got this pump to, to kind of level me out. Um, it doesn't keep me accountable for my, my eating habits, even though I have the insulin being put in, uh, I should still be watching what I eat and what I, the carbs that I take in, if you will. I don't, I still eat candy. I still eat donuts every morning. So I'm a terrible, terrible, uh, diabetic. Bad diabetic. Yep. No, uh, that's oh, well, I mean, most people are. 
I'm not going to lie. At least the ones that I know, they don't, regardless of the type, they, they kind of tend to stay with the same diet. Yeah. Well, when you, I was diagnosed at 26. Right. So you have like a kind of like a similar habit and pattern throughout your life. It's very hard to break. Right. I'm getting a little better. Um, does the does it slow you down or like is there like lulls throughout your day that you have to worry about? Yes. Yeah, like when so, you're cleaning tubs or rats, does it yeah. is that something you need to be? Yeah. So. Of? Yeah. So more exertion, more energy you do. Of course, you're burning sugars and carbs. Um, so I do have to watch it. So even if I don't give myself any insulin, uh, I still have like. The, the pump is giving me insulin, but if say I didn't eat and I didn't bolus, if you will, um, the pump's still pushing insulin into me at a certain rate every hour. So I got to be aware of that. Um, cause if I'm continuously just working and going and going and going, my blood sugar would just plummet. Um, summers when it's hot and humid, uh, typically will make me drop like a rock out of nowhere. Even if I'm not doing much, I'm just standing outside. It just makes me drop like a rock. And you said, so you said you have 130, give or take, breeders between males and females. How big is the collection altogether? Like with um, grow ups and. I want to say I'm just under 200. Just under 200. I got a couple juvenile racks in the other room that are holding some nice snakes to eventually rotate in. If I could share pictures right now, they'd be seeing, especially that Cypress stuff. Like you freaking, this hat's driving me crazy. Yep. You freaking killed it with that Cypress stuff. Yeah, I that's, think that's, that's, one that's of my, why we. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's one of my more, like I guess, proud moments of producing something. Like I was actually able to see something through and create something that a lot of people liked. Yeah. You know? uh, there's just. Like I, I've looked at it in single form and I'm not going to lie. It's taken me, it's taken me probably four years because I saw it almost right after I came in, came into the hobby or industry or whatever you want to call it. Um, I saw it in a private collection. I saw it with a couple of other things and I was just like, you know, this isn't like, there's something there, but the way the people were using it. Yeah. It didn't catch my eye. And this was like way before I started looking at subtle details of yeah. every snake that I look at. Like, I think, I don't know that people want me going through their collections anymore. Cause I'll sit yeah. there on one snake for like half an hour and be like, Oh, look at, look at how, Oh, there's dinner. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Picking out the, all the yeah. details and the imperfections of it. Absolutely, man. Like I, it's, but now seeing like, what it does with clown, what it does with spot nose, what it does with uh, certain just enhancing genes is freaking amazing. Yeah. But I think it's also it's been it's been in or around long enough that you've had the ability to line breed it for your favorite characteristics. Yeah. And that's what's really making these animals pop now is yeah. you were able to spot something in your initial um animals and it's it's coming out with all the things that you put it to 
Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Cybers Clowns in the future. I, I love what you're doing with it. I, <laughs> I'm uh, actually in the process of working it into Desert Ghost Clown stuff. So trying to take that to the, the next level. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. It'll be nice. I got a couple female Cypress head clown combos that are ready. So I just got to get them to, to go. So now that you're working double recessives, um, how do you, like, what's your mindset on how you have to set that up? Because I know, uh, actually, this time last year, around this time last year, I talked to Will from uh, RCR. And he was talking about how he kind of works a double recessive or how he works a triple recessive. And it's, it seems like everyone has an outside or a different perspective on how they want to work it. And I'm not necessarily saying the genetics themselves, but I'm saying like, okay, you're saying that you want to do the hypopides or the DG clowns. Like what's, what's your thought process when creating that? Because obviously you don't want to just do DG clowns. You want to bring other contributing morphs into it. So yeah. where do you think, where do you think those need to be added or how do you get that pushed into a project or how do you start that project? So I started of course with double heads. Um, in my mind, I'm, I'm going to grow up, even if it's just a regular double head, like my double head, uh, hypopides. Uh, they're just double head hypopides and then i'm gonna hold those back grow them up and then once they get to around a thousand grams i'm gonna start looking for a male form uh, whether i produce it or whether i buy it um, ideally i would like a double visual for that project just to reduce the odds um, but i'm at least looking for one or the other whether it's a say a hypo pet pied or a pied pet hypo um, that's what I'm doing is I, I grow up the females and I look for a male form. Um, while those females are growing up, I'm doing a lot of research. So looking at what other people produce, looking at how different genes interact with certain combos. Like I don't want like lesser pies and spider pies and stuff like that. So I'm looking at what can I make that's going to produce what I like. So it's, it's a lot of research. It's a lot of hold back and, and research really so like i get i get the grow up of the females i think what i was trying to get is like when do you decide to throw a different morph or a different genetic in like do you do it at the base like are you throwing are you doing het well you said you do het to heads but like are you throwing a known het to create pause heads to bring in other morphs or are you trying no. to just create that visual and then once you get that visual you'll put it to other stuff to create full heads yeah so i try to stay away from from pause heads um mm -hmm. i've got some pause head females growing up but as far as the male um i want it to be a for sure thing i want to know for sure that it's going to carry that gene because i don't want to grow up all these females and then waste time breeding a male that might not prove out you know Right. No, that makes sense. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, Going from the very beginning, um, I'm when I'm wanting to work a double visual, I'm trying to start at the very beginning. 
um, and try to produce as many female double heads as possible or visual head or something. Makes sense. Makes sense. And then you said you're working how many of those this year? Four? Of which one? Uh, I think you said four different double visual projects, didn't you? You said Hypopides, Clown well, DGs. Desert Ghost Clown. Um, I have some smaller double head Desert Ghost Pied females that might go at the end of the year. So if you want to count that, um, three, and then Clown Pieds, and then Hypo, Hypo Puzzles. Hypo Puzzles, five. so five. If those, if those females grow. And they're right around 900 grams, so they should go at the end of the year if they continue to eat. Um, but it's not a guarantee. Makes sense. What's your what's <laughs> what's your thought process on the way some people choose to breed their females? Like if it once it hits 1,200, 1,500 grams, I know some people that start instantly. Mm-hmm. But what's your like if it's a if it's like a just over a year old female or a two year old female, but you're not really seeing growth yet. What, yeah. what would you do? So me personally, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna breed a female that young. Um, I'd rather if, especially if it's a female that I've invested a lot into, you know, like if I've spent all this time pairing her parents to, to get her, to grow her up to this stage, to me, I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going to have the chance of potentially becoming egg bound or something like that. Um, I'd much rather put a few more grams on her, um, get her 14, 1500 grams, uh, and then start. Um, but there's, there's guys out there that are successfully doing it. Um, as long as the female is of a healthy weight, I guess, or looks healthy, she's not a toothpick and she's showing good signs of follicle development well i think and i agree with that like if you're seeing the follicular development or the growth like that's that's fine i think um a lot of people especially new guys like me we get we get over antsy right and we want to make a name for ourselves and we want to push the envelope a little bit because we feel like we're so far behind already and we got to realize that this isn't like this isn't a sprint. Like you might have your triumphs. Well, you should have your triumphs because yeah. it keeps you pushing forward, right? But you have to be smart about it. But um, I feel like a lot of people that have come in over the last couple of years, they see like Miguel, who has been taught by the top people in the industry, right? Hey, this is what you look for. And he started with uh, ultrasound right away and learning how to read the growth and all that yeah. and learning the times to put a male in so you don't over stress either one of the animals out. But a lot of people will still go uh, and a lot of people are going towards ultrasounds, but they're still doing the old process of throwing that male in like two, sometimes three times a month and like just overworking him. Right. Um, Or they, they start working a female and then that female lays her first year, but her first year's, 
essentially completely slugs because she wasn't mature enough for it. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the things we got to fight in this industry is yes, you want to like, you want to make a name for yourself, but as long as you're carrying and doing it right, I think it's, it's more important to make a reputable name by showing the quality of your animals and how you care for your animals at the start. And then once you get a couple years in and, you get those girls to size right then yeah by all means like go after those worlds first go after the stuff that you yeah. think will really put a shine to your name yeah yeah um ultrasounds have launched our industry yeah. tenfold i mean it's it's amazing to pull a female out that you've been feeding and you've been seeing a increased like aggression in her feeding and you pull a female out and you're like, holy crap, she's got 15 millimeter follicles. Um, whereas palpating, I probably wouldn't have been able to fill 15 millimeter follicles during palpation. Um, I used to palpate for years and it wasn't until last year actually that I traded some of my old uh, PVC racks to a good friend locally for his ultrasound machine. And it's just mind blowing that you can pull a female out and just stick a probe on her and be like, Oh, I need to start pairing you. Do you, do you follow like the three pairing method or what's your, for your females? So for my females, I try to shoot for, um, once a month. Um, I try keeping it at once a month, um, for a good lock. If I get one lock a month, I'm, I'm good. Sometimes I'll get two. Um, especially towards the end of their, their follicles before they ovulate. So normally when they get around 30, um, 30 to 35, I stop pairing them. Um, once I start seeing them getting 25 and closer to 30, I might start pushing for a few more locks each month, but I start off at one lock each month. Uh, I've been noticing pretty good success with that. Are you one of those that believes like actually pairing will help build? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> not only pairing, but your feed. So if you start feeding like slightly smaller meals, but a little more frequently, to me, I feel like that kind of triggers something in that snake's brain that says, hey, there's an abundance of food. Um, maybe it's a good time that I start looking at reproduction and kind of getting that follicle development to kick in gear. But if you start feeding more frequently, say like every five days, um, to me, I think that could help produce more follicles faster. Not necessarily more follicles, but produce those follicles faster. Right. Huh, but definitely, definitely throwing a male in there to, to stimulate. Um, I do think that you put a male in and she knows that there's a potential mate around. So that in conjunction with the more frequent feeding, I think. Do you do a fasting period at all? I know some people do. It's something that since I've started, I've done just because of the people that I've talked to, because obviously they have their dry spells, right? Where they're just, they're not going to find anything. And so I try to not fully mimic, but there's, 
the dry times in Africa, I'll go and like, I'll try to mimic it with as much as I can. Right. Like there's no way I'm going to mimic everything here, especially with doing it in industrial tubs. Yeah. Uh, but like their feeding regimen and what they'd see or like when I see, I actually pay attention to the weather over there. And like when I see rain forming, I'll mist and then you get the barometric pressure in the actual storms outside. So I try to try to copy it as much as I can, but maybe so, that's just me overthinking it. But yeah. Like, <laughs> so yeah. me personally, I don't, um, not, I mean, not to say that I haven't had a drop in rodent production to where some females had to go every other week or so. Um, but it's not intentional. It's not, I'm purposely fasting them. Um, now with that being said, like a jerk. No, no. Um, so with that being said, there are, um, I believe it's the, the Barkers have the book that, um, basically goes over food cycling, if you will. And they were saying that there's, and one guest that you might try to get on is, uh, Jake Milbrat. This is where I learned it from. So I'm actually Jake Milbrat's employee and he's trying that this year is the food cycling. Um, we just started it. We just started feeding the, the females again. Um, so there's not much data, I guess you can say, um, to give you on that. But they were saying that there was two times a year that they noticed um, that they had a boom in follicle development as shortly after the, the heat of the summer where mm -hmm. they're either the rodent production dropped or something, but they had to go up a certain period of time that, of not feeding. Uh, and then during the winter as well. So in, in their book, they've, they've outlined that where they had two times a year of really good follicle development. And it was shortly after those fasting periods. Um, right. But like I said, me personally, I, I don't do it. I just increase the, the amount of rodents that they are offered. Yeah. Uh, so I forget who actually, I think it was Riley, uh, Riley Jimison. Yeah. I'm going to say his name wrong. Jimison of Riley's reptiles. Um, I was talking to him and he showed me some of, uh, the barkers. And so, from August to September, I actually only offer them one meal, essentially. So Is within that, that four four week meal? period, okay. like just one meal altogether, and then I'll start them off extremely slow in September and build them yeah. up in October, build them up in November, and I actually don't even really see um, any type of breeding response or behavior from them until probably almost december in all honesty but that's that's just from the heat here it's so freaking hot yeah. that even if even if i ran ambient it's so hot during the day that they just don't want to do anything yeah but um yeah when it gets and it, it seemed to be i mean it seemed to work fairly well like i all the girls that i've done it with haven't had any issues like once i start offering them regularly again they're always on it they jump yeah. up i can start feeling follicles right away granted i have a very 
well, not anymore. But <laughs> I had a very small collection when I started, so it yeah, wasn't, it wasn't hard to like monitor everything. And I'm sure uh, now that it's starting to grow a little bit, that I'm I might have to do away with it. But it's something I'd like to still kind of pursue a little bit, if yeah. that makes sense. And like yeah. do like half the rack on fasting and half the rack off. And just yeah. regular feeding just to see what the difference is you know yeah um, it, it's something that intrigues me how i guess it's the same with us right like our food cycles kind of and you're like you with your diabetes are key in point right like your food cycles or what you bring in is such a big part of everything that happens with you like whether you can reproduce whether you even have the energy to move around yeah. and survive like it's huge so to i think continuing to do that and i know people that get like they don't they're not even voltas and they get animals that are five thousand plus grams like full-size females and they're they're not they start looking like boas essentially like <laughs> i've got a couple of them yeah. like i got one female that just ovulated and uh i weighed her and she was like 4600 grams so that's insane. She's a massive, massive females. I'm hoping she drops like a retic clutch of <laughs> eggs, you know. Yeah. Hoping, hoping. That'd be I think the Voltas do what, like 13 to 15 eggs or something like that. Something yeah, like I think somebody had one that dropped like 21. Holy they posted it on that like Python Regis a couple well, last year, I want to say. And it was like 21 eggs. That's it was ridiculous out of like a 6,000 gram female. How uh, how many clutches are you shooting for this year? This year I'm shooting for 40. That's my goal. 40? It's 40. Yep. Mm, what, what was kind of your average before you did your move and had to take that year off? Uh, so the most I've ever done was 22 or 23. So you're trying to double. Really Holy, yeah, that's a big jump. Yeah, yeah, gonna, gonna keep me busy. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, there's nothing wrong with that. Are you, uh, you're gonna be a regular show guy? Like, is there a certain circuit that you want to work or, yeah? So, I registered for um, Arlington at the end of the year. That's one that I, I definitely want to try to hit every year. Um, it's just a lot of fun. Um, I haven't been able to go recently because of the little one. So yeah. he's just been so, so young, um, that we haven't been able to make that trip. Uh, I would like to do Tinley. It's a bit of a drive, but I hear it could be, be worth it. We attended it back in 2018, the wife and I, and it was a lot of fun. So I don't want to do a ton of shows, but I do want to do a good handful each year. So you want to put the focus mainly on your morph market and then hit some of the bigger shows just to. Yep. Just to kind of get your to, face out and, yep, and work hang out crowd. with friends and things like that. So nice. I'm totally with that, man. I, that's kind of where my thought process is. Like, I don't want to, I know the people that do it and they're super successful with it and it's great for them. But it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of sleepless nights and yep. like it's so much time on the road with those animals that 
I, I think when you like when you're older or you don't have kids it, it's a little bit easier to do something like that like once you yeah. once you have a family or you're when your kids are still young like this it's just it's so hard to have that type of lifestyle yeah that it is but uh what where did you start getting your mentorship or how would you say you received mentorship? Cause I feel like everyone, like some people watch YouTube videos. Some people actually get hands on mentorship. Um, a lot of mine has been like YouTube and then we go and uh, we'll hang out with people like Miss Marita that just popped up or JD. I don't know. I never know who's behind these anymore and, or like i'll go hang out with earl and we'll talk about stuff that i've seen in my collection and he'll kind of show me through his snakes hey this is what i would do right yeah. um so who who would you call your mentors and how did you first start receiving mentorship and how how important do you think it is to actually become successful so i've been lucky enough that the Wichita, Kansas area has a, a decent amount of breeders. Um, when I first got into it, I was buying from one of my good friends, John Stoltz. He owns a local pet store here. Uh, that's where I actually bought like my first like 10 animals from. Um, so he's helped me out quite a bit getting into it. And then shortly on after that, um, Jake Milbrett actually helped me out quite a bit and became a pretty good mentor. Um, I was actually, I think this was back in like 2015, somewhere around there. Uh, I was actually going over on the weekends and working at Jake's. Um, sometimes I would work for a snake and sometimes it was cash. Um, but yeah, it basically it helped me working for Jake back then kind of helped me decide if I wanted to do it on a bigger scale. Right. No, that makes so, a lot of sense. Learning. Yeah, learning different things from from him uh, absolutely helped. That's uh, and I think that's important because a lot of people think it's like it's gonna be super easy and yeah. oh, I can I can clean my five snakes in like ten minutes, no yeah, big, yeah. which means you're probably not cleaning them good enough. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Like yeah. they spend like half an hour cleaning their small collection. And like, oh yeah, I could do this whole. I could do this full time. They don't realize yeah. that once they get to a hundred snakes, it's going to take a couple of hours and like, yeah. running over each snake, checking their health and things like that. It's, it's a lot to take in. Yes, James. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> you have a fairly big collection too there, sir. Just saying. Starting to take over multiple rooms. But, uh, what do you think is one of the most important things as a new person to look at? Like, as far as if you can give advice, well, just in in the keeping sense altogether, because I feel like if your keeping's off, then you shouldn't even worry about yeah pushing it to industry side. But like someone coming in that wants to actually do this, whether it's hobby level or like really make a full-time um, full career out of this? What do you think is the best advice you could give someone just coming in? Yeah, so starting off, I would say 
find somebody that could mentor you. Somebody that there's so much there's so much information out there on the internet um, to filter through and try to figure out what's going to work for you and and it's all contradictory. Right, wrong. So yeah, um, I would say find somebody to to mentor. Uh, that's your go-to person if you have any questions. Um, and of course, do your research. You know, uh, right. figure out if this is something that you want to do. Is keep 10, 15 animals, or if you want to grow it into a money-making hobby. So figure out if it's if it's what you want to do, and get a mentor. Yes and James no. Wants yes and no. Yes and no. So the baby and the the juvenile room are still ambient. They run solely ambient. Um, but my adult room uh, is back on heat tape, as well as a radiant heater just to keep a set temperature because it's it's cold here. It's like 30 right. degrees outside right now, and I'm in the basement. So That's disgusting. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yes and no. I, I still run ambient in the baby room. Okay. I think actually switching you... heat tape oh, kind of boosted my follicle development. So it kind of gave them a, a, like a regulatory period where they can get away from the heat if they wanted to. Whereas ambient, you're kind of, they're stuck until you gave them fresh, cold water and then they can bull wrap. Right. What do you run for your ambient? Are you? So the baby room is at 85. That's where I, I have set it. Um, and I have a um, humidifier in there as well just to keep it, keep it going. Uh, in the adult room right now, it is 79. So it stays between 75, 79, depending on how cold it is outside and what time of the day it is. Is that just, are you running a cooler just because they're on heat tape or? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yep. That makes sense. I want to give them that. I guess if you will escape from a medium, the, yeah, the the hot. Right. That's funny. Well, it's not funny, but it's like I'm I'm thinking about it. Like, um, so in my externship right now, the f <laughs> I don't know how the school picked this out, but like they they have me working for this uh company that owns a construction company right and they own uh two different restaurant franchises throughout the city so like between the two franchises i think they have like eight or nine stores and all the managers have to meet at the main office and everyone's desk has some sort of animal at it which was like a live animal or like a yeah like live or... animals like the what? the ceo has a ball python which we're switching over to um what's it called bio what's it called bioactive bioactive thank you um so we're switching his ball python to bioactive and then we have um bearded dragons one of the the like the main secretary has rats because the ball python didn't eat rats and they became pets and then uh there's uh they're trying to bring in birds and essentially it's gonna be like 
like the main office is going to be like its own little pet store, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And they're like, see. well, you're the animal person and that's what you want to do as a business. So we're going to give you your grade for this externship based off of how well our animals are doing at the end of it. I was like, oh, yeah, well, at least I'm working with reptiles right now. Yeah, but that's kind of cool, though. Yeah, it's it. It was a calming thing, man. Like it helped out right away to break the ice. So yeah, it is pretty cool, and it calms me down. Like once I start getting frustrated with staring at the computer and like cold calling people for sales or like cold calling for interviews, like it's like oh let me let me go mess with the animals for a second and yeah. they understand it so they're all cool with it which is awesome yeah. but, um uh we're hoping he's actually looking at potentially getting one of my retics because by the time we move i i just decided it'd probably be best not to move with the retics yeah. i can't guarantee that i'll have the space for him once we move so i would just rather get him into more capable hands and uh his entrance he wants to build like a big bioactive whole wall exhibit for the retic so it can climb and do all kinds of stuff so we're trying to figure out how to work that and then he'll have the uh company's logo like right in the center and it'll have different layers for it to climb over should turn out pretty cool if it goes the way we think Um, retics are so cool yeah i love them man they're just they got an attitude. You got to be able to read them, which is something I'm working with them yep. on so that they understand. It's like, hey, if you're seeing this fast tongue action, like just yeah. take your time with it. Yep. Let them read they, what's going on. So I used to own retics. Uh, back when I first got into it, I had, I got a, a different variety of species, if you will. Um, right. But the retics, they're, they're very intelligent animals. Um, they're, you'll get there. You'll be able to figure them out, and each one has their own certain personality. Well, I've been working with uh, the two that I have. Well, I had more than two. I've, I've downsized my retics over the years, and then I realized that I really just don't want to breed them. So I'm going to get all the males out, so I never have to deal with the hostility. Yeah. And then, uh, so I have two females right now, but. And both of those females I've been working with for like, I think the older one I've been working with for four years, the younger one I've been working with for about two years now. So I have them pretty well pegged. As soon as you get them out, they're, they're calm. It's just getting them out of the enclosures. How big are they? Uh, They're smaller than they should be, but they're both around eight foot right now. Um, Okay. I didn't, I didn't know how to feed them right. And, I wasn't trying to power feed. So I was just like, oh, small rat, small rat, small rat, once a week. And then as they started going to medium rats, I was like, okay, medium rat every two weeks. Cause I think that's way too big for you. You have like this giant lump in your stomach. And And like two days later, it's completely gone. Yeah. And then it's gone. And it's like, (laughs) I fed you, right? I fed, (laughs) no. And they're looking for food. And you're like, well, I guess that wasn't enough. So I finally got, and I didn't have the, like I had them in 40 gallons, which is horrible. And they're still not in enclosures that are big enough, but yeah. they're, they get out regularly enough that they get to stretch. They get exercise. Yeah. Like they get worked now instead of just sitting there, yep. which was the big thing. Like that's where I was really messing up. And 
I'm bringing in um, if I have to, if I can't get them two homes that I'm comfortable with before we leave, they'll have the 10 foot plus enclosures. Um, no. Eventually, probably like whole wall displays once I can have a facility built. But no. is what it is, man. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. I guess. Um, yeah, that's that's one of the big things that I harp on now too. Is like I've I've always loved the pattern on retics. I love the intelligence, but it is not a beginner snake. And I did it from a beginner, and I yep. learned my lesson. Like there's there's a lot behind it. Yep. Um, and when they get to a certain size, when they get to a certain size, you have to have somebody else there. Yeah. Just, Absolutely. just I don't know. Okay. Like and my wife's so tiny that I was like, I can't even have you there because yeah. you're so small that if they wrap and they decide to hold on, you're not gonna get them off. Like, yeah. Like their power is gonna hold on to you too. Yeah. My uh, my biggest one got just over ten foot. And I wouldn't say it was too much for me to handle, but um, with my mom at the time, my brother won't touch snakes. So he moved in with us um, shortly after my Afghanistan deployment and he will not touch snakes at all. So I had to rely on my mom and she was five foot one and like 85 pounds. So it was like, that's, that's the main reason I got, got out of them uh, is because it was just me. Uh, when they get to a certain point, just having that extra set of hands there, if needed, is is uh, is great. That's why I need the kids to grow up faster. Yeah. <laughs> you get five five kids on the tail. Here, all three of you, just hold on to the tail. I'll get them yeah. out. We're good. Oh, but are you working anything else besides just ball pythons, or do you keep anything besides ball pythons? No, um, I do have one boa. It's a, it's an IMG male that I bought at Arlington when I was there last. And he's gotten pretty good size, but other than that, I'm not really focused on anything else. I've early on, I figured out that ball pythons is what I wanted to do. And I had a couple different species um, of snakes, like the retics. And I had a couple hog nose there for a while. Um, gopher snakes. I had some gopher snakes. And it's just ball pythons is what I wanted so I stuck to that. What do you, how would you, uh, how do I want to put this? Like, how would you tell someone to look at things? Like you obviously went through a few species. I, I went stupid and like started buying everything because I just <laughs> enjoy yeah. reptiles in general. Like if I could have a zoo, I would have a zoo. I am the worst reptile businessman there probably is, but yeah, it is what it is. I, I just enjoy everything. Um, I, I finally found, okay, so this is going to be breeding. This is going to be keeping yeah, sanity, but like, how, how would you say, or how would you advise someone to find what they like? Like just get your hands on everything or is it a, I wouldn't necessarily get your hands on everything. Uh, you'll find out pretty quick that everything is not what you want. Right. Um, it, it, it all comes down to research. If you have a certain species of animal that you, that you really enjoy, that you, that you like to look at and it just fascinates you, um, that's probably what you're going to find yourself working towards 
later on and down the road. Uh, right now, I don't have much of anything else. I have that one boa, and that's mainly because of space. I don't have the space to, to keep things properly. Um, when I, if I ever get um, to the point where I can build a facility, I will have different species of animals, um, like dart frogs and different micro geckos and uh, dwarf caimans, things like that, creature, um, things like that. I'll have a section set aside for that. Um, but right now I'm focused on trying to grow a business and ball pythons are what absolutely fascinates me right now. So That's do, do you research on what you like, figure out if one, you're going to be able to house that animal properly. Um, if not, it might not be good for you to be in your collection. So at 10 years, I feel like you have a pretty good feel of how the ups and downs and how everything works um, within the industry. Where where would you see yourself and where do you see the industry in five years? Uh, continue to grow. And I think... I think both. I think I'm going to continue to grow. Um, I'm going to continue to push myself to one better myself and better my collection. Um, and the industry, we've seen it many times throughout the years. The industry comes together and bands together when needed. Um, so I, I think both are going. Well, the answer is both's going to continue to grow. It really is. As long as we continue to do our part and support each other and support the industry and support those that support the industry, we're gonna. We're going to continue to grow. And that's where I was kind of getting ready to go with it. Um, yeah. One of the things that I wouldn't say upset me, but it wasn't something I was expecting to see was you kind of saw a little bit of timidness at the last uh, Arlington, right? Like the normals were there, like the mm -hmm. regular vendors were there, the regular people that just show up to see everybody was there. Um and then you had the regular people that come through and it, I mean, it was a successful show. People sold, everything was good, but I, it just felt like it wasn't, it wasn't what you've seen recently yeah. over the last couple of shows, especially, I guess since COVID really, um, it, it hasn't declined, but it hasn't, it hasn't had that uptick that, I would have thought now that yeah. everyone's able to convene in bigger areas. Right. Um, and I think a big part of it is the regulations that we're facing. And obviously, like you said, as long as we continue to support those that support us, then you'll see the growth. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do feel like people were a little bit hesitant to buy at that show because of that. And hopefully we don't see that again. I, I honestly think that the Lacey Act amendments will really more than likely get kicked out. I mean, mm -hmm. if if even one person from every state is as obnoxious as I've been with my Texas senators, they're yeah. they're hating me. Like at this point, their secretaries know me by name. Yeah. They know my number and don't want to answer it. So, yeah. um, but I, I really hope that we don't, we don't see like people being timid because obviously if you want to make this a business, you can't be timid. Like you have to be smart about it, but you can't be timid. Like if you're going to worry about every time a regulation pops up, 
you're not going to build a successful business or at least in my eyes. And maybe that's because I'm hungry. I don't know, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't able to go to this last Arlington. Um, I was debating on it, but there was a couple things that just happened around that, that same week that I just decided to stay home. Um, But there's probably things going on throughout the world that, or the United States and the world that people are just scared of. So, and they have every right to be, I mean, fear of the unknown. I mean, we all kind of have that, but I think everything's, Uh, I think everything's going to be all right. I I don't uh, think, like you said, I don't think these amendments are going to get passed. At least that's what I hope. And we'll go back to, back to normal ish until something else pops up. Uh, and I mean, it, it's a pattern. Like, obviously, they're they're doing more than I've seen them do in the past. But it seems like every two years or so, they they try to push that national no. level of uh, amendments. But it it seems to get shot down or stricken from whatever they're trying to force it into. Because it's never just the Lacey Act alone or never just reptiles alone. They're always trying to backdoor it into something else. And it gets caught every time. So hopefully we continue to win on that. But um, where where do you think your stopping point is going to be? Like, is this going to be something where you need to yourself bring employees in? Or is this going to be like you and your son only and like a family thing? Or where do you think your your peak's going to be? And it doesn't mean that it can't change in the future, right? Like we're always changing our mind, but yeah. like what's, no, I, what's your happy place right now? Or what do you think? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> honestly, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a lot for, for one person. So I would like to see potentially bringing on an employee in the future. Um, but I'm going to continue to grow this. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to grow my, not just the quality, but the amount of snakes that I have. Um, my goal is hopefully in the next couple of years, being able to build an actual facility, get everything into one spot. I know you've been posting them. What's that? I said, I know you've been posting plans. Uh, Yeah. Every time you put up blueprints. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it keeps me motivated. Um, There's been many times throughout the years that I've been discouraged and kind of wanted to quit and give up, but having a, an end goal or, or midway goal is, is important. Um, And actually seeing something in front of me just gets me motivated, whether it's a snake that I want to hit or it's blueprints for a building I want to build. It just keeps me motivated to keep going. So Okay. To answer your question, I, I would think that I would get to the point where I would have uh, an employee as well as myself doing it. Nice. That's kind of where I, I I hope you don't have these issues yet. <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, you're only a couple of years younger than me, so you probably could. But I have a hell of a time with lower <laughs> tubs already. Uh, my back definitely feels my years of service yep so uh, uh that's what i'm looking for i'm like who 
just so I don't have to use a hook and look like a wuss because yep. I hate using a hook to open those tubs now. Hey, I, I love using a hook. I mean, a, a hook I is great. I'm able to pull the tub open and, and look in there and get things moved around without having to bend down and actually physically pull that tub out myself. Hooks are great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not just for snakes. I don't like tub hooks. Well, I like, I like snake hooks because I like to herp and I like to mess with hots, but yeah i just think it's i don't know maybe it, i have the wrong mentality on it i don't know i'm just like yeah. it's a ball python if it strikes it's not gonna hurt so whatever oh uh, it's just i mean you can call not it that that's what you should be looking for but it is but i just i mean those definitely those lower tubs is bottom three it's like hook pull it just pull the tub out it's not it's not for the snake to strike out at me it's that's not it at all it's just to ease the, the load on my back yeah, yeah that's what it's be, become like the tubs especially the rats like grabbing individual rats out of the bottom and you're just like oh my god by the time well, i'm done cleaning rats at the end of the night yeah like, they help me stand up like uh. get a really long the tongs and you just pull them out <laughs> absolutely oh man but yeah i think uh, I think you're heading in the right direction, brother. Like you're putting out some crazy freaking animals. Everyone, I think everyone has an eye out on what you're going to do. You seem to have a vision for this and I'm excited to see what you do in the future. I'm excited to see how big you decide to take this because you have, you have a sound business head and you seem to have the right people around you to yeah. help you grow this. So that's the biggest part of it is having the right people around you. No, if you don't have the right people around you. You just kind of get stagnant and lose motivation. So you gotta always have those, those friends that help you out. Uh, James Derling's helped me out many, many times throughout the years. So he's, he's a been bitch. A, yeah. He's been a big blessing. Is that where the photos come from? I was trying to figure out what was going on between you two because every now and then there's a profile picture where it's just James on your Facebook, and I was like, I don't, I don't understand the joke. Is there an inside joke going on that between you? Two? Early on, like a year and a half ago, yeah. Or so? Yeah. yeah. So there was a group of us that changed all of our profiles to somebody else. So James was, uh, I was lucky enough to get James. So nice. got to upgrade my profile. There's like a, there's like a person. white elephant type thing. Yeah, <laughs> you just picked one and went with it. Well, how can uh, everyone find you? I've been on here for an hour and a half. I'm sure you want to get some food in you. And with that big of a collection, I'm sure you got some poop to clean up. I don't want to keep you on too long. Yeah, so biggest thing is Instagram. Um, okay. I'm kind of rotating my Facebook more towards kind of personal stuff. Okay. Um, I'm getting a lot more um involvement on instagram so instagram and morph market um at cth reptiles you can find me there you can always find me on my facebook page uh, just my name uh, you can find me on there i do have a facebook business page but it's kind of stagnant you did the same thing i did you you started one and started using it and then yeah like man i'll just post it to my regular <laughs> yep yep <laughs> Yep. All right, guys. Make sure way. you give Chandler some love. Like this dude, he's got a lot of knowledge. Uh, I didn't even tap 
half of what we've talked about. He's a really good dude. Uh, so make sure you go out, you give him some love. Obviously, if you're on here, you should probably be over there because I'm a knucklehead compared to this guy. But uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on Chandler and hopefully bring him back for round two because there's a lot of stuff I wanted to talk about, but we were just uh, we're shooting the shit this time. So I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll it was fun. It. A lot of fun. I love it, man. I love it. This is probably... This like this is my de-stressor every week. Yeah. Between the animals and then getting to talk to somebody and just talk animals. This is yeah. my favorite part of the week. That sounds bad. My kids are gonna and wife are gonna hate that, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, you said de-stressing. It's part of de-stressing. Yeah, it's part of de-stressing. I gotta de-stress so that I could let them put up with me so I'm not too crazy. Right? Yeah. But uh y'all have a great weekend. Make sure you reach out to them, give them a follow if you haven't already. And uh, send him some love. Let him know you saw him on Outside the Clutch. And we'll see you guys next week. Uh, next week was supposed to be Ryan and Phil. But they uh, they had some preoccupied time. So we're going to push them a week. So the week before Tinley, we'll be talking to Phil Goss from US Arc and Ryan McVay. Really talk about the push. Uh, next week, the Senate goes back and starts talking about the uh, America Competes Act. So make sure you're really pushing hard this week and reaching out to your senators. Let them know that you want the Lacey Act verbiage to be taken out of the America Competes Act. I thank you guys so much for your support and all your time. Y'all have a great weekend. Later.